morning, Bucks fans. How's everybody doing? It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips, Scott Smith here, and we have already had a little bit of time of camp. There's been things happening. There's press conferences. There's so much to talk about. So this is where we always love hearing from you guys. Whatever questions you want us to answer, that is what we are going to do. So if you're not already watching on there, head on over to the Facebook page and in a, underneath our live video, you can leave your comments there. So as we give people a chance to do that, um, Scott, I just wanted to hear, I know Ronald Jones spoke to the media and I want to hear what you gathered from that what you've learned what you thought about that and because I know running back has definitely been one of the positions that we've gotten uh probably more questions than almost anything else about so did you feel like we got some answers there yeah we actually started to get some clarity the week before when um Bruce Arians spoke on a zoom call and was asked about the backfield this was just after the signing of LaShawn McCoy so Bruce said very clearly that uh, Rojo is our main guy, those are the words he used, and they would carry the load, and that everybody else in that running back room would be fighting for their roles. So we know this now. The plan is to go with Ron Jones as your main guy, which isn't surprising. He was the starter for the second half of last year, and Peyton Barber has departed. So it would make sense that he's the main guy. And then uh, you figure out what else, how else to fill it all in with Keyshawn Vaughn, how big his role should be, how good he proves to be as a pass catcher and a pass protector. Um, LaShawn McCoy is, you know, what does he do for you? Uh, Dario Gumbawale, you know, he was basically our third down back all last year. So, you know, there's some confidence in him there, but, uh, Ronald Jones is the guy. And then Ronald spoke probably, probably because Bruce made a point of saying that they got Ronald Jones on a zoom call. And what I found interesting about it was when he was talking about the various things he's doing to be a better pass catcher. And he, he was actually pretty good last year. Uh, his 10 yards per catch was really good. And he had 31 catches on 40 targets. He only had one drop. So there just weren't a ton of targets and maybe with Tom Brady in town and a desire to get their running backs a little bit more involved in the passing game. The big question is how much can Rojo do? And I think, I think he's pretty confident and the team's pretty confident that he can catch a lot of passes. He, uh, he says he's working on uh, some of the specific things he's working on is Tom Brady made a point of telling him to run your routes. Like you already have the ball in your hand. So, um, and then uh, he's still been working with Todd McNair on um, and other coaches on pass catching techniques how to hold his hands like the diamond and all that. And then on recognizing defenses. So, you know, lots of times when a running back goes out into a route, the first thing he has to figure out is, is it man coverage or is it zone coverage? Because if it's, if it's man, you usually keep running, just trying to beat your man. And if it's zone, you look for the space to sit down in the zone. And he wants to be able to recognize that a lot quicker so that he is immediately getting in the zones. If it's, if it's a zone. Okay. And uh, also I wanted to talk about the schedule for the guys that that's something we've talked about is th this training camp is a little bit different than in years past for obvious reasons. Uh, what do we know about, you know, what they have been doing and then now this next week or so, uh, the way that things are going to change or maybe ramp up a bit. Yeah, today we've been calling everything since they started going on the field for strength and conditioning work on, I think August 1st or something like that. We've been calling everything training camp. Uh, but today was the really the first thing that looked like a real practice. I was down there this morning. It's actually still going on. Um, and it's, it's not a real training camp practice yet. It's more like they're speeding through the phases of what you would have done in the off season with a few days each. And the NFL calls this a ramp up period. And uh, these practices are like what they would have been allowed to do in phase two before the OTAs. The offense can run drills and throw passes and the defense can do the same, but they can't do it against each other. And that's the way the next two days are. And then on Friday, and Sunday, it's going to be like OTAs when you can do it against each other. But, of course, you can't have pads on or hit each other. Can't do that until Monday. And then you and I will be out there watching what's going on. Yes, that is a perfect way to remind everybody, shameless plug, we will be doing our training camp live show starting on Monday. We wanted to wait until there was going to be like 
hitting real hitting football it. things. Yeah, you know, that's what we're all about. So uh, we're going to be out there. It will look a little different than years past because of where we are allowed to be. Um, but we are going to do our best to try to give you live shots of what the team is doing at training camp. And then, of course, we will have other content, other things we're talking about. So every day of practice, which is basically every day but Saturdays for a bit here, it looks like we're going to be out there at 9 a.m. So make sure you're tuning in for that each week. Um, okay, starting with some of our fan questions. Eastside, I like this. He wanted to know who is the most intimidating defensive player. Eastside? Mm-hmm. Eastside? Who's the most intimidating defensive player on our team, I assume yes. you mean? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, boy, we got a lot of guys in our secondary who have really yoked up over the offseason. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, Jordan Whitehead looks like. DK Metcalf. Uh, yeah, that, that dude is crazy. I mean, he was always like that to a degree. I think people always were kind of surprised when they would see certain photos and be like, wow. But now, I mean, he, he just turned into the Hulk. It's insane. But I don't think I can pick a defensive back for this question. I think my answer would probably have to be in Dominican Sioux. Yeah, I so, think that's fair. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I'd be most scared to have to be lined up across from Vita Vea. Um, because I think I would die if he came at me, destroy me. But he just... He just seems like such a nice guy all the time that intimidating isn't the first thing that comes to mind now. It would be intimidated on the field. But Dominican Sue is, uh, you know, he's, he's a little scary. Yes, I think that's On the field, yeah. I think that's fair. Very nice guy, but very intimidating all at the same time. Uh, Daniel asked, uh, special teams has been an area the Buccaneers seem like they can improve from last year. How do role players look for special teams roles in training camp? Or I guess, how, I guess he's asking how do coaches – find role players that could have special teams roles in training camp and has anybody been standing out for a potential there well this today was the first practice first time they're doing anything like that so um they 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 stand out they find guys through drills like today as soon as i walked on the field i saw them with a bunch of guys that are special teams candidates and they were uh basically doing a drill to see how good they would be at that great that thing that ryan smith does so well where he gets down on the punt and gets his feet basically on the edge of the goal line and, and stops the punt at the one-yard line when it's bouncing all around. They were working on that drill where the guy would run down there and the coach would be rolling the ball and they'd have to get around and get in the spot. So that's how you find out. You do those things. And starting on Friday, I think, is when they can start doing return versus cover. And there won't be any hitting, but you could still get an idea of um, – you know, how well a guy knows an assignment. Is he good at staying in the lane he's supposed to be in? That sort of thing. And then when they start, when they put on the pads, then they will have specific drills where you'll have people getting their chances, getting, you know, rotating through reps of, of trying to be the gunner, which is one of the main, most important jobs on special teams on punts. The gunners are the only two guys that can leave at the snap. And those are the guys you see split out wide. And opposing teams usually block them with either one or two guys. We did see Ryan Smith get blocked by three guys once last year, which said a lot about the respect they were giving him. But how, can, how well can you beat that, especially when it's two? Especially when you're trying to be two guys, how well can, and how quickly can you beat that? Because if you can be a gunner that consistently beats your blockers quickly, that's a guy that's going to get a lot of tackles on punts and, and you know maybe cause some turnovers and so on. So the answer to the question is through drills, lots and lots of drills. Okay. Yaj asked, do you see us getting any more depth on the O-line? And so I'll just add on to that of in addition to whether or not you think we would be adding depth, how do you view our depth that we have currently? Yeah, I have said and um, that I thought the depth was pretty good at, at tackle. Um, that's even true. It's a little less true because Brad Seaton exercised his option to opt, opt out this year. So that's one tackle down that so far hasn't been replaced. Um, but you still have a four there of – uh, presumably Donovan Smith and Tristan Worth starting backed up by Joe Haig, who started a bunch of games in Indianapolis and is very versatile, can play a lot of spots on the line. 
and also uh, Josh Wells, who started a couple games for us last year. So it's good to have that experience depth there. And you got a couple of young guys too, but that's four guys I think you can feel pretty good about. The bigger question is, um, is on the interior line where you love your starting three, but there's not a lot of experience depth behind that. And I think they're counting on some guys that they've liked, like Zach Bailey as an example, or a, a rookie they brought on named John Mulchin or Zach Shackelford of Texas. I think they like these guys, but it's not really not realistic in the moment to say that's proven depth. So um, I don't know if we need more depth yet on the interior line because I don't know how good those guys are going to be. But on paper, that would look to be where you might want to find some. And remember, this we don't necessarily even if the Bucks don't add anybody to the roster right now, you're going to get to the point uh, it, whenever the final cutdown date is, and I don't know if that's different due to everything that's going on, but everybody's cutting players and that's what they call that eighth round of the draft. Well, they, that's what they call something like that. The, you know, it's another opportunity to pick up players of a better than you like better than what you got is released. And there's a little, generally a little bit of churning at the bottom of the roster around that time. Yeah. This could be one of those areas where you see how they were planning pre COVID and the way that COVID this off season may affect how this works is they, they did have all these young, unproven guys, guys like you mentioned, Zach Shackelford and, um, you know, John Mulchin, that they thought, oh, well, we'll get a lot of chances to see these guys and also a lot of chances for them to get reps to, you know, become that guy. And now, you know, where you felt like you had all this potential young depth, you just don't know yet. You may still have it. They may still pan out. Um, but maybe you would have tried to go for potentially more proven options if you'd known that none of these young guys would get it. So it's sort of an interesting way of like how you thought about building your team and the way that it could end up becoming. Yeah, there's going to be some difficulties. And um, I guess the only thing you can say is that it's the same across the board for every team. So yeah. the Bucks aren't any worse off than anybody else. And I was just thinking about what I said about when the rosters are all cut down and the veterans get picked up from elsewhere. Actually, it may be a little bit harder to do that this year too, because you're going to have a 16-man practice squad and six of those 16 spots can be used on players with any amount of experience. Usually practice squad guys have to have fewer than two years of accrued NFL free agency credit. You have two, and then you have two exception spots where they can have a few more. Now you can put six guys of any experience on there. So it'll be easier for guys, for teams to keep their veteran depth. That's 69 guys out of 80 that you're taking to camp that you can keep. So there'll be fewer guys out there on the wire now that I think about it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, Jermaine asked, with all these new veterans, who do you think will be our captains this year? I'm going to go on a limb and think Tom Brady will be a captain. Um, Man, what a hot take. (laughs) Ali Marpet was a captain last year, wasn't he? I believe so, yeah. I I could see that staying the Mm -hmm. same. I think he's a respected guy that people listen to. Um, Did he say just offensive captains or all? all I think he said the whole team, but yeah. So Levante has been a captain for some time. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that would change. Um, you know, the, when you talk about new guys, we're really not talking about a huge number of new guys because a lot of the players that we signed were re-signing. So Tom Brady is an obvious one. Is, is Gronk a captain? I don't know. I, I think that remains to be seen. And then otherwise, we're just really talking about Joe Haig and I'm forgetting two guys because there's only like five of them. I, uh, Elliot Fry, a kicker, uh, and LaShawn McCoy. So I think the only guy that's obviously a captain out of the new guys is Tom Brady. Otherwise, I think you'll see a lot of repeats. Okay, uh, Daniel asked, uh, what have you seen from Antoine Winfield Jr. thus far? And maybe a better question would be, when will we potentially be able to see more from him and know more based on how practices go? 
I've seen him um, doing strength and conditioning drills. So, and then today, I think I saw him fielding some punts, which coaches said they were going to give him an opportunity to do. So there's something for you. There's something um, that's a nugget. Yeah. Um, uh, but otherwise, I haven't seen him run a drill yet. I mean, before they started doing any defensive drills, I came in to do this with you, Casey, because it's more important than that. Obviously. And um, so let, ask the question again in, in you know, a couple – Call into our write in or question into our um, training camp live next week sometime, and by then maybe we'll have seen something. We'll have better answers for you there. Um, this is interesting. A different Daniel uh, asked us, "Who do you think is our number one receiver, Mike or Chris?" I don't. I, that's just such a hard question to answer that I'm going to take a cop. Uh, I'm going to cop out a little bit here and say I don't think it really matters. I mean, I think they're one A and one B. If you look at how it went last year, basically Mike has been the man for six years, and then Chris who had already taken a big step forward in his second year, but was still clearly the, the number two guy in 2018. Basically, Chris just got to the point where he was just as good and just as important as Mike. So you had one A and one B. And if you look at it, Chris was the number two and Mike was number four in the NFL in yards per game. Um, there were times last year where Mike was had the most yards and then Chris and then Mike passed me in then Chris passed him again. Um, by the end of the year, Chris had more, but he also had one more game. Um, I don't think there's a one there. I really don't. I call that a cop out if you want, but I just think it's one A and one B. And, you know, I think we've joked about the game. I think it was in Detroit uh, where we went into the game or maybe it was Tennessee. I can't remember. Was it Detroit where, or Atlanta maybe? We went into the game and um, Mike was close to getting to 1,000 and it would have been his sixth 1,000-yard season to start his career, which only Randy Moss had done before. Yeah. And he was like 11 yards away from getting it. And Chris was like 150 yards away. But in that game, Chris got there first because he had a bunch of huge plays right off the bat. And then Mike got there too. So that was a game where, where Chris had a huge game. But there were other games where Mike had a huge game. And then every now and then, like against the Rams, they both had huge games and the Bucks scored 55 points. So, you know, again, 1A and 1B in my mind. Again, a great problem to have. Uh, Richard asked, who do you think replaces MJ Stewart? Well, by the end of last year, MJ Stewart wasn't uh, – wasn't, was basically a healthy scratch. So there isn't a role in the defense that needs to be replaced. Um, you had Carlton Davis starting on one side, and, and Coach Arians recently claimed he thought Carlton Davis was a top 10 corner in the league, which is high praise. Um, you had Sean Murphy Bunning starting on the outside and then moving into the slot in the nickel, which is actually what you play the most. So Jamel Dean was essentially an outside starter. So you've got all that back. Um, you also have Ryan Smith and Mazzy Wilkins, and I think they like that kid from Oklahoma. Parnell Motley. So um, replacing MJ as a corner on the roster would just come from one of those guys. Uh, there isn't really a, a role that has to be replaced at this moment. Okay. And we'll close with this one. Chris asked, how do they plan to use all three tight ends? Do you think we will see three tight end sets? That's a good question. And coach Arians did say at one point, we will use three tight end sets, but I don't really think you're going to see that a lot as part of your base offense. Three tight end sets are usually short yardage, um, you know, goal line stuff. And uh, sometimes the third tight end isn't even a tight end. It's an offensive lineman. So um, you, I don't think you're going to see a ton of that. We, we had, I think I counted it up. I think we had 54 or 59 snaps all of last year with three tight ends on the field. So it's just not something you use a lot. What I do think you'll see a lot of, and more than last year, is two tight end sets or what they call 12 personnel. And um, we used that 20% of the time last year, which actually was a little higher than the league average. So they already were utilizing that. But coaches said we'll probably see that a little bit more. So maybe if it was – I think it was about 59% of the time they were in 11 personnel, which is three receivers, and 20% of the time they were in 12. 
you could see maybe the 11 come down a little bit into the lower 50% and the, the 12 personnel with two tight ends come to mid to high 20%. And then you just have different packages, Gronk with OJ, Gronk with Cam, OJ with Cam, that kind of thing. So yeah, you'll see some three tight end, but I'd be surprised if it's a big part of the offense. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And the exciting news is this is our last one of these for a while where we will not be out on the field with football happening behind us. Again, training camp live starts Monday, 9 a.m. And it's going to be every day at 9 a.m. that they have practice, which is essentially every day but Saturday. So make sure you tune in then. Monday morning, 9 a.m. We'll see you then. (laughs) 